This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nakidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from The Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully, ever 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything. So Jess has been doing her long runs, interval sessions, and she will be tackling the final 10K in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes. Yeah, big focus on endurance and a brand new foam, which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs. So if you want to know more, head to the link in the show notes. This is the award-winning Running Channel podcast. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rick's looking very smart. Oh, me, Andy Badley. Me, Sarah Hartley. And I'm Rick Kelsey. Hi. Yes. We won an award. We did. Unbelievable. <laughs> we are giddy with excitement and with a lack of sleep, which we're going to come on to in a minute. But today's episode is all about how much protein runners might need uh, and where to get that protein from. I don't know how good a job we're going to do at answering it, but we're going to try. Uh, so we should probably get stuck in. Yeah, what did you say your name was again? I don't know. I don't remember. Andy and... Sarah. Let's do it. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody who came up to us over the weekend at the National Running Show in Birmingham, which we're all going to get into quickly. But I want a special thanks to one couple who really, re really kind of you know touched my heart. Yeah, so there's twenty twenty thousand plus runners yeah. I think came through. Yeah. Came through, and we and we. I felt like I spoke to every single one of them. <laughs> most but, of them. But these two are also <laughs> my favourite. Rick, are they all your yeah, favourite? Yeah, 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 mine too. So I was popping to the loo on the first morning, and someone stopped me, and and he's like, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You're all right, you're all right, mate. You're all right, mate." And I was like, "Oh, hello, hello. Hi, how are you doing?" He goes, "Hey, Teresa, Teresa, look, it's that one. It's that one. You know that one." And and, and Teresa turns around and goes, "Mark, which one? What were you talking about? What were you talking about?" And and Teresa, Mark goes, "Mark goes, Teresa, it's the one of the three that you don't like." <laughs> well, I'd say Teresa's got excellent taste. Oh, me too. So well done, Teresa. If you are listening or watching, Teresa and Mark, thank you very much because that. Gave us much ammunition. Yeah, oh, I can't talk. And just just for context, if Rick annoys you in the thirty minutes that he allows us to record for each week, imagine what it's like knowing him in real life. <laughs> yes, he's. He... Can I say I did then have a photo with Teresa? So you know, I think right, she did. I had simply, exactly the yeah. same thing. I literally had exactly the same thing. I wrote this down as well. So Dawn, hi Dawn. Also spoke to Dawn on Instagram and got a picture with Dawn. But Dawn came up to me and went, "You were my favourite." You're not anymore because you're too mean to Andy. Yes. Oh. And then she turns to Andy and goes, you're my favourite. And I was like, Dawn, you're not my favourite. <laughs> it's a anymore. live falling out hey. at the, yeah. the National Running Show. No, she, was, she, she was very happy. I feel like it's a new Dawn. For the, oh, uh, very good. Thanks. Yeah. Who was your favourite? For the Running Channel podcast. I loved everybody that I met. Oh, I had, really? I, had, I mean, there was one point. So it was two days. This is for anyone that didn't get to come. We're sorry we couldn't get to see you, but we are going to try and get, I suppose, around the world, around the country a little bit more. Mm. So watch this space. But the, so many people came up to speak to us. It was absolutely incredible. Loads of stories about amazing feats that they'd taken on, where they listened to the mm. podcast as well. Maybe we can come on to that a little bit because lots of different people listen in different places. So email into podcast at the running channel .com to let us know what you're doing 
whilst you're listening. Well, it turns out actually that most of them are doing the washing up, I found. Uh, we had washing up, we had dog walks, we had driving. Dawn actually listens to it while she goes to sleep. And she says, it takes us 10 minutes to make her fall asleep. Uh, she <laughs> and she then certainly husband, doesn't want any longer then. No, and then her husband is like, and then I listen to the rest. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, like, I listen to the whole sorry. thing. And <laughs> I'm a cyclist. Her, I, I thought that was a bit of a diss, but she did say it was like, it's not the first time she's listened to it. Oh, right, when she, when she used right. it. So That's I feel better. like we are... Dawn's friends helping her to gently drift off and get yeah. a good night's sleep for recovery for the running. right now? We go, night, night, Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> good night, Dawn. We're inside the first 10 minutes. She's still wide awake. So if you are listening, then, then I, hopefully we won't keep you... T- this is so strange to think about it. Let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. Dawn, take your teeth out. <laughs> Rick, you didn't mean to. So that's time, I, don't, I, don't that's know if Dawn, I don't know if Dawn, Dawn could be, what, is she 21? Well, she could be your age, which means that she could be anything between the age of 20 and 60 because you're completely ageless. You're like you such well, younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We got to about three o'clock on Sunday and it was so incredible, but also that I was reaching kind of breakdown points. There was to the a point moment. where I was just, yeah, like crouched on the floor trying to hide. There <laughs> was a, I so me and Andy, anymore. basically the National Running Show, if you've never been or heard of it, it's a huge exhibition. There are loads of different brands there. We had a stand there as well. And then there were talks going on as well. Hmm. Me and Andy did a couple of talks each day. And then I think on the second day, our talks were much closer together. So we didn't really like factor in when we were going to have a bit of a break Any in lunch. Time, so we yeah. had like one talk at 11, then we had another one at one. And then before we know it, it was like half two, three Oh, is that where you kept going? No, and Andy Oh yeah, just... we were doing actual work, mate. Yeah, I, I we was, were still working. I thought working. you were just slacking off. No. You were leaving me to man the floor. We, we were telling people how to run slower to get faster. And then we were going through running terminology. Really? Which how, was how come I wasn't invited read... to do that? Well, that's a very good reason. We did actually reference you within that talk did saying, you? it's a good job Rick's not here. Because <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't understand what any of this means. Although to be fair, most of the talk was just me going concentric and eccentric Andy, Andy. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah, Sarah just Sarah just read out the stuff on the slides and then turned to me to explain <laughs> no we needed you to hold down this hold down the stand we also for the first time ever had a fairground grabber filled with shoes which was which was yeah. so exciting that by the middle of one day it had been used so much continuously that it got so hot that it got yeah, <laughs> yeah the grabber couldn't out. hack it yeah. turns out grabbers versus runners runners win yeah. Yeah. Time. yeah we did give out eight pairs of shoes on the second day yes mm. i think it's four on the first very exciting when yeah people it was won great shoes. fun actually yeah. yeah so good so so good and we did a run as well yeah but actually you didn't I didn't know I did a VO2 test. Oh yeah, you did. Oh yeah. What were your numbers on the VO2 test? So we don't As have in the exact. How easy it is for your body to bring in oxygen. Correct. And, and use it. And, and use, use it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that's why. You're <laughs> such a smart this is why you weren't on the on the stand. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. We did live VO2 max tests each day with an amazing piece of portable kit called the VO2 Master. Yeah. And Dr. Gary. Genuinely yeah. terrifying. Like if you think a VO2 max test is bad enough, which essentially like mm. most of the times when you go to do it, you'll have a mask on. You'll be all wired up. You might get your blood taken yeah. in a lab. Oh, it's so much better because you only have to wear a mask. But just to make it worse, we've added an audience. Yeah, and then yeah. just an to make it even worse, we've given Andy a mic. And Andy <laughs> didn't have to do the VO2 max test. Oh, didn't so Andy was it. just there chatting rubbish whilst we so, were absolutely busting our guts. True. Did you find it difficult to breathe in the mask? So I actually found it easier. And, I, yeah. and I'm sure there is absolutely no science within this. Easier. But I was, I was trying to, but I've done it before. So I was oh. trying to explain to someone that before, I think it was harder because 
in a lab, the mask was attached to a tube, which was then quite long and went into something. So I think in my mind, I was trying to breathe out enough so that I was like pushing the air down this tube. Whereas with the little mask- I worry mask, about you sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. know. There's I, I, literally Your brain works no in a very strange way. <laughs> <laughs> there's no scientific boundary to this at all. But with the mask, it was like so around your face and not actually, I don't find it too intrusive. So I, I actually found, found it, it quite nice. The faster the treadmill got, the more intrusive I found the mask. Oh, really? Became. It's a bit and claustrophobic, I, isn't it? Claustrophobic. Yeah. You thought, also, you couldn't look down, so you couldn't see your feet, which I you thought, actually need when you're a treadmill. And, yeah, exactly. And then Gary, who was running it, Dr. Gary, oh, he was Gary. saying, come a little bit tighter to the front. Oh, yeah, because you're you couldn't see where your back. feet were. Yeah. Yeah. And I found once you got to around about 11 or 12 kilometers an hour, mm -hmm. that was when I was kind of, <sighs> I want a white, a bigger mouth to get more air in. You were yeah. very pink by the end. Yeah, well, it was Saturday it's night. Quite pink was a when bit, it started. Well, there were, there's a bit of a reason to that. Saturday night was a bit punchy on, on the Gavi. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of punchy. It was. It was a hey, bit punchy. Rick, you strayed away from the Gavi. When I left you on Saturday night, you were drinking cocktails. You had a mojito, I think. I end of the night yeah because oh, i'd had enough of the g-dog by that point yeah you thought you, know, <laughs> you, thought, you know, i need ahead of my vo2 no, test you yeah, can never have enough of the g-dog I, I should have done the test on the saturday not the sunday that's what and i, I think my got numbers would have yeah. been more impressive what, what, what were your numbers i think so gary Sorry, still needs high. to send it over but because okay. i'd done it before with everyone else he was like you guys dictate when you want to come off and then i told him i'd done it before so i was like oh i think i'm ready to jump off now and he was like no you can do it carry on and i was like carry i can't <laughs> but no, i was i think it's some it was somewhere between like 54 and 56 i think i definitely saw average. figures on your screen that were in this like about around about 60 right at the end but they, they take an average over that yeah. final minute so mm -hmm. i don't think it'll yeah. go quite as high as that and then rick's 55. was in the 50s yeah yeah it was a really impressive effort from both of you. Not quite as impressive. Uh, so if anyone in the UK has been watching the, the new Gladiators reboot on uh, on the BBC, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is incredible. It's, it, yeah, the Travelator at the end, which comes at the end of the Eliminator. So it's a, basically a treadmill on an almost 45 degree angle. Yeah. Um, and there was one for us to try out. How did that go, Sarah? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'd just done our morning run on the Sunday. I think you'll be able to, by the time this podcast goes out, you'll be able to seek this out on the Running Channel Instagram. Genuinely one of the most embarrassing moments of my life because we went well, I, over... I loved every minute of it. Well, we went over so that Andy could do it. Yeah. And you, you know, warmed up a little bit, got a bit into it. Yeah. Up you went, fine. <laughs> Then we were it also, wasn't that easy though. It was. It was like it was hard, but you made yeah. it look relatively effortless. Yeah. Then Thank you. we were. You're welcome. Then we were also with Jess. Jess yeah. again, you know, was difficult, but she also flew up it. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, right, well, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I'll be that hard. Attempt number one: <laughs> face planted oh, into the travelator. Yeah, it's quite bad. Proper really. like, like I've got a bruise on my hand because oh. I put that down first. Not like bad, but then second attempt, I was like, okay, I'm doing something wrong here. I'm going to try and leap a bit more. Yeah. I leaped again, face planted. The guy running it had to explain to me how to do it. He gave you a little coaching one on one, 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 on one yeah. on, as to how to get onto the travelator in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So then attempt number three, I made it. Yeah. Got almost to the top. And then just stayed and agonizingly about, what, two or two or three feet short of the top and yeah. couldn't get down and just slowly slid back down. <laughs> it's so, yes, yeah, we did. it'll be on our all, social channels. Genuine, but I did I did it again and then actually made it to the top. Yeah. Why did, what was it? Because you're fast. It's so it's, fast. It, it it's fast. also it, such, it's, really a, it's steep. so yeah. at an angle. You know, the only thing I can relate it to is, you know, when you're on a bike, and you, you go up a really steep hill and you eventually get to, like sometimes a hill is just so steep that you're like, I just can't. can't just that is what it was like. Yeah. Pedals, yeah. Awful. Yeah, yeah so, Awful. so actually respect for, because uh, as a kid, 
I always watched that and I wanted to do the Gladiators assault course so badly. I don't think I'd have been able to do the handbike and I still wouldn't be able to do the handbike thing. Although I think in the new series, they've changed it for the like uh, the ladder that you swing across. Oh yeah. Um, but then I, 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 I like new respect, I think, for how hard that would be at the end of probably what's 90 seconds of pretty hard physical effort to yeah. then gather yourself and sprint straight up it. It is hard. Also, the people running it were just such good sports. Yes, they loved they were. it. So good. So, so good. So yeah, we uh, we had a great weekend. We're completely exhausted. Hopefully it's coherent. I know that people actually quite enjoyed some of our podcasts when we've either, you two have been oh drunk. Oh my from, gosh, from, the, from the, the Run Home Happiness for Christmas podcast, wine. people demanded more of those. So, well, <laughs> we are as tired as some of our sort of post-marathon exploits. So like, let's mm -hmm. see how we go, particularly because for some reason we've picked a topic today, which is relatively scientific. Yeah, you need a bit of brain about this. Yeah, so... So, so this so is let's, an let's, excellent day to dive in <laughs> yeah, so on uh, how much protein do runners actually need. Yeah, we need we need um, brains, research, coherency. So so probably now it's just going to be me and, Sarah, me and Sarah for the next <laughs> next ten minutes or so. Just be Rick just laughing to himself. Hey, I mean my track record on research isn't that actually, great. That's true. So do you want me to dive in with um, my bit of research? That I already told you about. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so we're, bear in mind, we're trying to answer I love the, the question. you're dissing me, by the way. I'm the only one who's actually done a documentary on sport <laughs> and protein, not you two. But anyway, carry on, Sarah. Thank yeah, I just, you. I just feel I've caught, I've caught a pretty big fish with that one, haven't I? So. <laughs> I've reeled him right in. Oh, he's not happy with no, he's you. Not. Um, yeah, so we're I'm talking stroking about... stroking my eyebrow. Yes, yes. Oh, you do that a lot when you're annoyed. Yeah. 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 Carry on, sorry. Yeah. Right. He can't feel anything though. His forehead's just completely imm immobile. So we <laughs> You're actually just touching the air. <laughs> he thinks head. he's stroking his eyebrow. He's got no real idea. It's it just fluff yeah. But we're talking about protein for runners and then yeah. Sarah comes in going, yep, yeah, I've researched this. What, what, what did you do? Well, so I was interested to know, obviously protein intake, you're not, you don't need to take protein on whilst you're actually running. But I was interested and I and never actually looked whether gels or, or electrolyte tablets had protein in. And just to confirm, in case anyone was wondering, they do not. So I, the, didn't I didn't check every single gel in the world. I just checked what I had in my cupboard at home, but all of it was zero. So your research involved checking the things that are designed for both hydration and energy. Mm -hmm. Neither particularly famous for, for, for protein, protein content. No, but I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're just well, curious. Well, well never, never, never let it be said we're not thorough until in about five <laughs> minutes time when everyone goes, that wasn't very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're going to do our best. So well, yeah, we... Rick has done a documentary about this, which yeah. mainly focused on protein supplements. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And whether or not you need to take supplements to support your training. So I was talking pretty generally about sports, yeah. but I was doing a lot of running and training for the London Marathon at the time. And it's like, well, do we need to spend all this money essentially on taking supplements. And to summarize, most people don't need supplements to top up. Specifically their, for protein or generally? For for well, specifically for protein. Yeah. Don't need a protein supplement if you're getting if you've got a balanced diet. You don't need to. But the caveats mm -hmm. always, always kick in about when you take protein. And one of the key points for runners to take protein is in the 30 minutes after you've finished running, uh, as far as taking it in. And it's difficult to cook up you know a full three-course dinner with chicken yeah. veg and so that's and when the potatoes. convenience of, of, of like so a protein bar or a shake, protein shake. In, right? that's when it really kicks in yeah so i think the 30 minute thing is definitely like the optimal i think there's still some good science behind you know if, if you've missed that window you should still try to mm. fuel and get protein in it's just like you've 
you might not be as optimal. So it's not like, oh, I haven't had anything in 30 minutes. Now it doesn't matter. It's, it still still gets something in. Can um, we start though with why do we need protein? A couple of reasons that you need protein. So one, which is probably not the most important thing, is that runners will burn protein as a small proportion of their fuel source. So for example, studies have shown that around 5% of the energy that you burn during exercise might come from oxidizing protein. And that could rise to 10% if your muscles are low on glycogen. So if your glycogen is depleted, like you'd be in a longer event, like a half marathon or a marathon, mm -hmm. then you might get to the point where a small portion of your energy, five or 10% is coming from protein. So that might mean that runners need slightly more than the kind mm. of the general public to account for that exercise. But then the other, the main thing I suppose is to repair and rebuild tissue, Eel, like muscle basically. tissue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you are doing small amounts of damage. And that's that, that damage that gets, gives you the adaptation to be better at exercise. But in order to make that muscular repair, you need protein to help you do that. And yeah, actually, what's what, that great phrase that you always use? Something like conservative overreaching. Oh yeah, um, functional overreaching. Functional overreaching, that's yes. it. Yeah, so you, if you like to get better at stuff, uh, particularly exercise, you need to do functional overreaching. So if you just did the same, if you gave your body the same stimulus every week, so you ran the same distance in the same pace, or you lifted the same weights in the same in the gym, the same number of repetitions, then you'll maintain that level that you're at. But there's kind of like diminishing returns, and so you're not going to make you're not going to get better. You're not going to improve unless you're coming from a level where you've previously hardly done anything at all. Mm. But if you're wanting to to get better, so either get faster or to be able to run further or to, be able to lift heavier weights, then you have to do something called functional overreaching, which means that you add a new stimulus to your body. So you're making your muscles do something that's harder than it was before. So lifting a heavier weight or you're running slightly further than you did before in a long run, or you're running slightly faster than you did before, or you're using slightly less recovery than you did before. Mm -hmm. But the functional part means that you're like stressing yourself and your body a little bit, but not overreaching to the point of injury or breakdown or, yeah. or like burnout. And because of that, you need a little bit more. So if the average recommend, if the recommended daily allowance for an average adult is 0.8, grams per kilogram that you weigh. So if yeah. you weigh 80 kilograms, then you need about 64 grams yes. uh, a day. Of protein. Yeah. What is it for run running, Andy? So you need to go up a bit. So I think for a while, people have thought the endurance sport in general needed a little bit more. Right. Um, my sports, I suppose, in general. Um, but the, the study that this is a few years old now, so I don't know whether it's been kind of superseded by anything else, but the study that I had read um, recommended uh, 1.65 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. And that's so that's double. double, double the recommended amount because of the factors that we mentioned. You might be using a little bit of fuel as fuel, but also you need to repair and rebuild muscle. But also it's not just the muscles that you, so in the article I read made this point really well, is not just the muscles that you are repairing. It's also parts of the body that you might not think get damaged, like, as... like the gut. Okay. So you need extra protein to repair your gut from, from higher impact. Hang like, on, we're damaging our gut when we're running. That's my understanding because we, you know, your gut's essentially <laughs> I think being- you're damaging your gut in other ways as well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about the running, mate. Yeah. Crack um, on. But, but running would damage the gut more in that sense because of the impact. Like it's physically yeah. being shaken around um, compared to say swimming or, or cycling where that's not the case. So this, this study was specifically about running and it used a protocol of 5k 10k okay. and then a 20k time trial to to measure this and they used a clever way of tracking a specific amino acid uh, they used a marker in the body that could could track it and then that allowed them to gauge relatively because each each person in the trial was given a different diet and then did things 
several times to work out who used the most protein and required the most protein to repair muscle. So that that's my lay layperson understanding of it all. So, so if you look at that then, it, as runners then, that would suggest that, you know, if you weigh between 60 and 70 kilograms, you need just over 100 grams of protein a day. Yeah. So between us, what does that look like? Well, so the, the average, um, uh, this, the, a lot of the stuff is in the US and, and an average diet in the US apparently would cover that extra amount anyway. Um, but a lot of the stuff that- What about Birkenhead? <laughs> on the Wirral, I, I have no idea. Um, but, but I think the key is to spread it out. I think that's the important yeah. point. So I think that's a lot of what a lot of people struggle with as well. Yeah. Because it's hard, it's so much harder. When you think protein, you think evening meal is yeah. like usually where a lot of people will cram it in. Whereas to actually spread it out across the day, that's probably where people do reach for kind of more yeah, convenient and if you're just protein. Having breakfast cereal in the morning, that's like relatively low in protein, unless you're going to combine it. Well, it depends how much milk you have, but yeah. 250 ml of 250 milk. 250 ml of milk is... 10 grams of protein. Yeah, about it's about yeah, about three grams per hundred yeah. mil or something. Or maybe yeah, three to four, depending on the yeah, two so, pieces of chicken is 80 grams. Okay. So that's two like two full yeah. chicken breasts. But yeah. then if you're veggie, then you need lentils, tofu. Yeah, or vegan, and, and then you've got your you, pea protein and things protein, like that. Yeah. Like, when we were talking about your documentary, Rick, like a lot of those supplements, powders or bars mm. have quite high protein amounts in them. Um and my understanding is that we can only really process 20 or 30 yeah. grams of protein in one, you know, Sitting. one period of time. Yeah, yeah. So if you did have loads of protein at dinner and, and you're thinking that's my, that's my daily allowance. So that's my 1.65 grams per kilogram over the day or most of it. That's not doing you much good because you, you need to spread it out during the day for your body to actually kind of make use of it to, to help you rebuild. So that's thinking about, uh, I don't have the vegan options to hand, but definitely things like Greek yogurt and, and milk. Yeah, Greek yogurt Maybe is eggs for getting protein. breakfast and so on. Um, Two eggs is 15 grams. Yeah. So that type of stuff, spreading it throughout the day. I would love to know, actually, we're really, I'm really interested in this because I'm changing my diet in the last... Are you? Uh, you didn't change it the weekend, mate. You would have fry up on both days. Hey, I, I did, hey mate, don't, <laughs> don't lift the curtain. Don't, don't ruin it for everybody. <laughs> I shared a room with you. I know everything. Yes, that's true. But likewise, so do I. So, yeah, oh, actually, yeah, this is snore. a great point to segue into what's Rick's evening skincare routine. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, but I, he was in the bathroom for 45 the, minutes. The reason, the, yeah, the reason I don't know is I was asleep by the time he'd finished doing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, wheeled in, he wheeled in two suitcases. <laughs> one had clothes in. One had skin caviar. Yes, exactly. One was just fully skin regimen. <laughs> skin caviar. Is that actually a thing? Yeah, it's good. Is it? <laughs> it's really good. Is yeah. it? Chin caviar and fish oils. Um, anyway, my uh, question was going to be before you so rudely. Does that, does that have any protein in it? Imagine it does. <laughs> I don't think he's eating his skincare products. They're way too expensive. Yeah, what about through osmosis? Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. Huh? The, that's quite a big word for me. That was. I would love right now for you to explain osmosis. Well, when I was at school, yeah. all the kids used to say that uh, instead of revising, you should just fall asleep on your textbook and then it would go in by os osmosis. So I actually have a really <laughs> thorough understanding of what that means. <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty accurate because stuff moves from a higher concentration to a lower yeah. concentration. And those books would definitely have had a higher concentration of knowledge. Yeah. Lower concentration of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Protein. Yeah, I think I was all I was saying was that I, I'd be really interested to kind of explore because I think I think it's a fallacy that vegans and, and, and vegetarian diets that it's impossible to get enough protein. But I think that's a lot of people would It's harder. 
Well, I'd love to know if it is. So so if you'd like to like us to dive into that in a bit more detail, maybe in a full kind of YouTube video as well as a podcast, email into podcast at com. And if you are a vegan or a vegetarian runner, I would love to know your kind of top tips because um, that's the dietary change I'm trying to make this year is, is like reduce the amount of animal products that I suppose that I'm consuming. If you walk around the supermarkets as well, there are quite a lot of protein is being used as a buzzword in lots of different products where you might not expect yeah. it. Yeah. So you can get like protein bagels yeah. and different things like that. So it is becoming, I think yeah. as soon as you say protein, a lot of people immediately go like, I'm actually right, okay, off by it, Sarah. If I see Mars bar with protein, I just want a Mars bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is it, but, like, that, that, but also, yeah, I, I don't want that. I think, that, Mars? I, I think that protein is, is like being confused with health. So like you, as mm. in yeah. loads of brands and products are like, this has got a protein in it. It's healthy. Yeah. Um, whereas mm. that, that, you know, that conflating those things, those two things is totally different. And the idea of having a protein shake or protein bar, I've did it in my career for exactly what Rick talked about, the convenience. I might need to travel back from a, a session and there's no way in that window of time you I was going to get steak. enough in. But yeah. the idea of, of like having a protein shake and a protein bar and then immediately sitting down to dinner, which is high in protein, broadly speaking, from what we've said here, is that's a waste of time because you might be having 90 grams of protein in anyway. one go. And, and your body can't it. do so anything with it. Mm. Yeah. So there we go. Rick is signaling really, at me. I think we have covered protein. Yeah, I really so also, enjoyed that. Yeah, that was good. I was just going to say as well, like probably the more convenient the protein is, the higher in sugar it is as well. So that's kind of a trade-off. What? As in like with, if it's if you're buying like a packaged thing that is high in protein, mm. quite often like look at, there are some that are amazing and it's high in protein, like shakes bars yeah. and they do have lower sugar. But we've all tried some protein bars and been like, oh, these taste really nice. Yeah, yeah generally they the better they taste, the more like yeah. sugar that they're going to have in them. Because yeah, often though protein product is the opposite. It's like very low carb because of the community of people that they're made for often or yeah. like gym goers where they're really focused on pro only protein, no carbs. Mm. Like of, yourself. Oh yeah, yeah I'm all, yeah. About, all about <laughs> all the protein, about the all about lifting heavy, all pumping about the gains. Eye, pumping the eye. <laughs> all about the gains is something I've never ever said. But you're listening to the Running Channel podcast. And next up, we've got a little bit of news and your questions. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now, at The Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes. Okay, well, I've been too tired to even think about what's happening in the world of running, but Sarah has some news. Oh, it's not about the world of running. It's about oh, yeah. us. We won an award. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Let's cover it again. Uh, okay, okay, <laughs> right. Oh, no, I'm, I'm on board with this. Yeah, so people voted and, and I'm so grateful. So if you're listening to this and did vote, then thank you so much. Um, it was the first time that they did at the National Running Show, they did awards and we were up against some other incredible content creators and brands. Mm. And I think all of us were sat in a line after the first day going, will we win? We'll, yeah, can we, we win? We were thinking we're it'd be so nice if we did. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for whatever reason, a, a lot of you thought that like if, if we'd won, then, then 
I would just go up and get the prize. <laughs> yeah, whereas we all went up. And I was like, absolutely not. As soon as they announced I'd it, written I... a speech. So, <laughs> so when the when it was announced that we'd won, uh, yeah. and then she said, uh, sorry, you, you, can't, you can't speak. So, <laughs> Rick was gutted. I spent an hour on that this morning. It was incredible though. Like we didn't have, we didn't have the full, um, like all of the people from the office and the yeah. running channel there, but we do have cake today to make up for yeah. it, which has yes. been amazing. But it was so cool. Anna was hosting the awards. So we got a picture with her, everyone who was there working on the stand. It was amazing. Such a special moment. And was, uh, yeah, bit, massive buzz. huge shout out to Duncan, who's, oh, Duncan, who sponsored some of the awards Duncan's and presented us with a beautiful bottle of gin yeah. as we came off stage. Duncan got it, right? <laughs> if, if you sponsor an award ceremony, if you're, if you're like a high-flying you know, CEO, top-level director of like mm -hmm. a top 100 company or whatever, who listens to this podcast, Get in touch. be more Duncan. <laughs> Be yeah. more Duncan, Duncan. Right? Duncan sponsored the awards. <laughs> yeah. And he got and up there, he got there and speech. he went, he went, listen, I work for an insurance company. You don't give a hoot what I do, but I paid for all the drinks. <laughs> <laughs> you were already at least four drinks deep at this point. <laughs> yeah. At, um, Good luck, Duncan. On Saturday. And, and, no, it wasn't. And he gave us out, what was our winning uh, prize? It was... It was gin from Malvern. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the Malvern Hills. Pride of place on the table. Thanks, upstairs. Duncan. And oh, a well, little award, we, which actually, I think James has it and he's not in the office today, which is why it doesn't feature on the set behind us. But watch this space next yes. time. We'll put it somewhere. Probably yeah. in the middle that you can't see. There's a lovely shelf here. But it does remind me, and the running show itself reminded me of the fact that people are listening and, and watching mm. the podcast. I'm so grateful. We are so grateful because like, that's the whole reason that we're doing it. And the amazing stories that we had and the emails that we've been getting have made it all worthwhile. We have fun anyway. We probably yeah. like, we'll be doing it because we enjoy it, but it's really lovely to know that people are listening and actually care what we're saying. I think some people as well, like when they come up to you and speak to you, they're like, oh, you won't care about this, but I just want to tell you. And oh, genuinely the, the amount, bits. yeah, the oh, amount yeah. of times that I was welling up at the weekend hearing about people who had just like smashed their goals mm. or had started yeah. running, like no matter what, what they'd done, it was just absolutely incredible to see people in real life, just loving no, it. it. Was so so special. I also learned that a lot of people who only watch this on YouTube and don't actually listen to it by the various methods just think there's one every two weeks. Ah, oh. there's one every week. Every yes. week. Listen. On and but wherever you, you get your podcast. Yeah. So audio goes out every single week wherever you get your podcast. If you would like it to be on YouTube every single week, get in the comments right now and tell us or email us podcast at therunningchannel.com and we will deliver. Yeah, we will deliver because it's, it's not any of us that has to edit it. No, it's so. a little bit extra work for some other people, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll be delighted. Perfect. Well, speaking of the amazing people listening, we've got some questions. Yes. Sean from Los Angeles has been in touch. I just finished running a half marathon and wondered if it matters where you place your bib. Oh. Bib. Bib is in... Oh, Rick, you should have come to our talk at the weekend. We did this running jargon explained and one of the things was bib. And every single time Andy bib. raced through it because he thought we shouldn't have put it on there because he thought it was bib. a thing that everyone understood. But actually, people like Rick don't do understand. Bib? bib, the, the thing, thing with the number on. Yeah, the thing oh, with your well, name. Well, that's fine that, that you don't understand because lots of people don't. I thought that was just a number. Okay. All no, right, it's fine. a bib. So it's like you pin your bib, bib to your bib. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Rick, Sarah's having a go at me here, not you. All right, okay. No, right. as in Andy, like every single time is like, bib, you know what that is. And I'm oh, like, right. no, no. Don't. Yeah. All right, okay. All right, back in the game. I feel like all the tracking equipment on the course will still pick up your times as you cross. So is there a benefit of keeping your bib on your chest or abdomen just for the, those on the course photos? So yes, 
Excellent question, Sean. So if you enter a big kind of mass participation race and you get a bib, which will be the like square number that you have to pin onto yourself, loads of people will pin it directly onto their chest. This yeah. is because if you have photos taken during the race, they do it by number. So after the race, you can go in, there'll be like 50,000 photos. You pop your number in yeah. and then all your photos will come up. Yeah, it's clever software that will automatically detect anywhere on the course in any of those photographs where your number or name uh, yeah. appears. However, if you're in a, if you don't have it on your front, you might also risk being like, being confused to be like, in the race without being in the race, if that makes sense. So it is, yeah. it's an identifier that you've paid to be there basically yeah, be and you the should course. be there. Yeah. If some races, like I know you had this with Valencia, you get like a wristband as well, yeah. which is what people check. But for, that's kind of for big marathon races. Most of the time it is your bib, which is your identifier that yeah. means that you and should be there. And sometimes they've got color. Mine at Valencia had a, each wave was a different color bib. Yeah. So, and you had to show that in order to be allowed into the, the start corral for your for your wave so mm. that you couldn't kind of... Okay, so it cheat. does then. It does yeah. matter where you place it. Well, I, yeah. I would say it's, yeah, in, in longer distance races where you might be, like in ultras, for example, where you might be putting, having a pack on or putting yeah. a jacket on and off as the weather changes, yeah. then a lot of people put it on their, their leg, on their pin it to the outside of their shorts. Oh, so I think that looks quite cool, personally. <laughs> if I do races in London and I'm in shorts, I always pin it to my leg. Because you think it's cool. I just feel like it's cool. Also, I feel like a pinning a bib to your chest is slightly sexist because men have a much longer, most men have a much longer torso than women. And bibs That's are getting stretch, isn't it? No, bibs are getting <laughs> bigger that, and bigger. Look at the difference between the torso. bottom. Yeah. Oh, nice. Look at the <laughs> difference. Like, if so, I'm speaking from myself. I will wear high waisted shorts, right. and then I'll have a sports bra. I have a gap that is like 15 centimeters, and that is much bigger than a bib. So if I pin it to my leg, my thigh is yeah. much longer, right, so, so I can fit it on there. We can pin it wherever you want. It doesn't really matter. Think, Sometimes think, your timing right, chips so you, on I your shoes. I think you agree with Sean. Then you can pin it wherever you want. Yeah. Although we did have an email like in one of the very first podcasts that we did where I think someone said that they came from triathlon or cycling and so they did their first running race and they'd pinned it to their back because that's what they were used to. I see. And they yeah, were like... You, you're, when you're hunched over on, on the on You're more the likely to see the number. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, because they're like the camera But shot. really you can pin it wherever you want, to yeah, be honest. I, I suppose the last point on this would be just be a little bit careful because male or female, but speaking from a male perspective, usually the width of a... A running bib is about the width of your nipples, approximately. And if you're putting a drawing, uh, putting a safety pin through each corner, mm. mm -hmm. then, see where this is going. Then if the top two corners of your bib aren't low enough, then the the pin is is poking through the inside of your not the sharp bit, but a piece of metal is is poking through the inside oh. of your t-shirt. Oh, so oh, that could rub on chafing. your nipples. So you want to make sure that you do test that. That they're not, there's not going to be chafing from, from the kind of the metal of the That pins is a nothing new on race day reminder. Mm. You can also, someone came up to me at the weekend and was like, Have you ever run with the magnets? Do they stay on? And I feel yeah. like we should do a test. Yes. We've got I sense them, I think. So. Yeah, I haven't. No, I haven't either. I would always. Have you? I, sometimes no. I used to get very excited at the race. Some, uh, of course you did. Yeah. Where you'd get an adhesive race bib because they didn't have chips in on the track, so they oh, didn't have all of that nice. stuff. I prefer that, I think. Yeah, Wait, I so just, as in you just stuck it to yourself? Yeah. You just peel off a big label and yeah. slap well, it on the chest. Well, most of them do That's the elite, cool. yeah. elite level adhesive, isn't it? Most of you don't see many well, if pins. You do, like, no, they're all pins. You just can't pins? see it because the cameras aren't really? close enough. Yeah. What a Saint Bolt used to put pins yeah. through his top. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, the, uh, and well, I, you sort of you'd often get in trouble because the sponsors on the bibs and things like that, but. Oh, I see. I would all a lot of runners that I knew 
because they didn't have chips in so you could do this. So don't do this if you've got a race bib with a chip in it. Would get the bib and screw it up, like as if you're going to throw it in, like literally screw it up as much as they could to, to, to crush it into a little paper ball and then flatten it out again. Oh, because then it's nice and malleable. Yeah, and then it would sort of, it would conf conform to the contours of your body and you wouldn't like get wind coming behind it and it acts oh, a bit right. like a sail. I suppose that's slightly, slightly unnecessary, yeah. but you were always looking for every little thing. And, and if you were running and it's quite a windy day, yeah. It was quite so what about those one percent? Yeah. I want to do it. Uh, is it an Iron Man where you have your number like basically tattooed onto your arm? Oh yeah, with like a sharpie. No, with like a yeah. No, yeah, it's it like off. a yeah, it's like a temporary tattoo yeah. sticker. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Do we have time for another question? Yeah, go on then. Okay. People want the longer questions. Okay. All right. Anna, not Hannah. Don't worry. From Kansas. <laughs> I had at least <laughs> four or five people come up to me at the running show at the weekend saying, "Tell Rick there's a message from Hannah." I'm a slower runner and I find it hard to know how to adjust plans to account for that. If I go by distance, I spend a lot of time out running, then I think my plans intend to. For a 10 mile run on a half marathon training plan, I'd end up out for almost three hours. By, the time, by that time, I then end up covering the distance intended and might not adequately be prepared for the given distance that you're going for. Have you got any advice for me? Love the channel, the podcast, and the fact you try to make your content accessible to all kinds of runners. Got Thank it. You, so if Hannah. she does it Hannah. on time, then she won't cover the distance. But yeah. if she does it on distance, it takes a very long time. Basically, she's spending too much time out compared to what her training plan suggests yeah. she needs to do. And, and there's a bit of context that wasn't like, it was, it was a longer email, but that's where she said that for a 10 mile run, it takes her three hours, including warm up and cool down. So if she's doing that warm up and cool down in addition to that 10 mile run. And, and let's be honest at the running channel, we are, are always advocating that you warm up and, and cool down yeah. properly. Mm -hmm. But there has to be a sensible caveat to the time that it's taking you to do stuff. Yeah. And if you can do a, a warm up at home that isn't running based, so you're somehow getting your, your blood pumping a little bit more, you're elevating your heart rate a little bit, and then you can do some just activation exercises at home. Then you're oh, not see, to speed it up. Yeah, then then yeah. then get out get out there and running and do take the first mile or so easier. But don't go don't be spending if you're doing a ten mile run that's gonna take you a long time, don't be spending an extra twenty minutes warming up and cooling down. That's, that's like good, that, yeah. that is gonna be really tiring for you. So you've got to strike that balance between appropriate warm up to avoid injury and so on, versus versus just the time that you're gonna spend on your feet. I'd say don't beat yourself up about it. Just do 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 what you can. Allocate a certain amount of time to it. I actually did used to run a lot by time, not by distance. Mm. And that allowed me to, to run how it felt. So sometimes I'd have a 60 minute easy run. And on some weeks that would take me 55 minutes because I did the same route every time. Mm. And on other weeks it would take me an hour and 10 minutes. And I didn't, I wasn't hard on myself about that because I was just listening to my body. So it, it's really difficult to answer this quickly, but we'd be wishing you lots of luck, Anna, to say, yeah. be sensible about any add-ons you're doing to those, those workouts and those yeah. runs. You are going to have to build the confidence that you need to be out there long enough to complete it on race day, but don't do extras that are going to kind of overly mm. fatigue and start to worry about the amount of time that you're spending out there. And best of luck. Best of luck, yeah. And email in podcast at the running channel if you've got any more for next week. Yes. Before we go to Sarah to give us her favour for this week, mm -hmm. a lot of people came up to us at the running show and told us about how many amazing local park runs they've got by them that they get out to on, yeah. on, on a Saturday. And I was thinking, you know, in the Wirral, we've only got one. So my little favourite is, Put another park run in the Wirral. <laughs> okay. It's a very specific favourite. <laughs> I know if you're listening to this in Oklahoma right now, you're thinking, what on earth is the Wirral? But you know, just thought while we're here, if you could whack one around West Kirby area, that'd be fantastic. Bit niche. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I think um, I, the way that they're put on are by communities, Rick. So you need to be the one that mobilizes yeah, Rick, the communities. Yeah, Rick, you get to, up to, to the Wirral and start up a park run. All right, I'm happy to chip in. Great. Okay. And my favorite, very simple favor for this week. We had so many amazing chats over the weekend with people. And one of the questions that we kept asking was like, what else do you want to hear on the podcast if they mm. said that they loved it? And it's quite difficult when you ask people that on the spot. So I guess just a, a continued request that if there is anything when you're out on a run and you want to know do I need to be taking in protein do I need to be doing this on my training plan how should I warm up and cool down if there's anything that you want to know that you think could make an entire episode of this podcast that we could do as a topic please do email in podcast at the running channel.com and we will do every effort that we can to turn it into an episode and waffle on about it for as long as Rick lets us Thank and you on very that much. note this one's been very long so we'll see you next time <laughs> goodbye for bye This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.